This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. So glad to be with you this morning. So first and foremost, let me just say to uh, fellow dads, happy Father's Day. Uh, this has been a special week for me uh, on Friday. Got to celebrate 28 years of marriage. Woohoo! And then uh, today is Father's Day, and I, I count being a husband and a dad right up there in the top of the list of things that definitely prove that God treats me better than I deserve. And so hopefully you're able to uh, honor dad, and hopefully you saw some of the encouragements we gave to you on our website, on our Facebook page, some of the fun things that we shared for you to do for dad, to honor dad, uh, to remember uh, how much you appreciate dads. I don't know about you, but I'm, uh, I'm kind of feeling tapped out. Um, it's just a crazy upside-down world right now. And uh, I don't know, sometimes I wake up thinking, okay, what's next? Not only have we got these national issues going on, but then uh, stuff's happening close by, uh, craziness, ugliness happening within our own community. And to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's getting a little depressing to me somewhat, draining to me. Um, but I'm thankful that uh, God is on the throne, that uh, we have the promise of Scripture, uh, the words of Jesus that said, hey, if you want to build a house on the rock, build your house on my word, and, and that's something I hold on to. So thank you for allowing us to uh, come to you. You know, the fact that you have chosen to log on, click on, turn on, whatever you're doing, uh, online offering provides an opportunity for you and me and you and us as a church to connect. And you are providing opportunity for us to speak to you. In light of this uh, series that we're going, let's talk about it. I, I count it a great privilege to be able to have this moment that you're giving in order to hear from me regarding some of the weighty issues that we face, the, the issues of the day, matters of, of faith, uh, matters of, of controversy perhaps, matters of the deep questions of society. And, and I truly do count it an honor that you have granted me the opportunity to share with you, to, to, to talk about these things uh, from my perspective, from my perspective that's grounded from who I am as a Jesus follower someone who is committed to live out the Bible, to live out the Word of God in life, someone who has the perspective of following Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've given me the opportunity first to speak to you from that perspective, and then secondly, as a pastor, as an individual who has given his life to follow the calling to serve and, and, and lead and shepherd in a congregation, uh, I now have this, this opportunity to speak to you regarding the issues of the day. As Jeff said, we are going to discuss a, a topic today that uh, may require you making a decision if you have little ones running around. It may require you making a decision to perhaps have them go somewhere else or perhaps choose to listen to this at a, another time when they're taking a nap or uh, when they're in bed. But we're going to be talking about the issue of gender. We're going to be talking about the issue as we go through this series, as we talk about, let's talk about it. We're going to approach the question of gender. 
And, and gender is a word now that we get you hear used in a variety of ways, right? Uh, you hear about gender roles and conversations regarding gender roles. You hear uh, conversation about gender when it comes to the, the topic of equality, gender equality. And of course, now the big thing is to have these gender reveal parties, right? Uh, the fun thing to, to, to tell the world whether or not you're having a little boy or a little girl, whether it's pink or blue or whatever, uh, there are these gender reveal parties. And of course then, uh, of course, there's a whole question of uh, transgender and, and all that goes into that regarding one's identity. Now, I, I am no biologist, doctor, uh, I'm no learned psychologist, or a learned sociologist or anthropologist or any other just you want to say. I, I'm just Didi who's given his life to serve God and to really make myself familiar as a shepherd of a congregation, make myself familiar with God's word. And, and I want you to know that as I approach this subject, I, I want you to know I'm coming from it from from my point of view, from, from my approach, and my hope is that it will provide you uh, perhaps some encouragement, some insight, some uh, opportunity to, to frame the way you think and perhaps frame the way you relate to this issue and deal with this issue. Uh, hopefully, it'll give you some encouragement perhaps to, to, to talk about these things, uh, not only in theory, but maybe this is something that you personally struggle with and have deep down hurts and pains that, that relate to this question of gender. In order for me to, to kind of approach this, let me just, let me just lay out some, some of the, the groundwork, if you'd like, regarding this question. When we talk about gender, what do we mean? Well, for me, I've come to the place, after doing some research, doing some study, come to the place where I've seen that gender has to do with, with biology. Gender has to do with how we're made, men and women, right? the issue of our, our sex. We're made boys and they're girls. And, and in general, when we talk about gender, we are talking about biology. But we're also talking about the cultural aspects of gender. So, so biology, you know, has to talk about the differences between men and women. And understand this, when we talk about the differences between men and women, uh, and you look at physical characteristics, you know, most of the conversations we talk about differences have to do with averages, have to do with thinking like, okay, uh, the average of 100 men versus the average of 100 women, what characteristics do you find within those groups? And so if you talk about, say, physical strength, biologically, physical upper body strength, what you find is that, that on average, men tend to be stronger than women. That's a, a biological difference that differentiates the sexes. Now, on an individual base, we know that those things vary, that you could have a, a, a man that is not necessarily as strong upper body, and you could have a very uh, strong woman who's typically stronger upper body-wise, and, and so those things are not as much difference. But when we talk about biological differences, we're, we typically talk about the averages, the, the general rule. Now, when it comes to the sociological things, what we're talking about here is the, the things that we have in our culture that define what a man is and what a woman is and what a man does in society and what a woman does in society. And, and let's just be honest, every society has those kinds of rules and norms and, and expectations. Every society operates by them. 
Every society has to have them in order to, to function and to be civilized, to make, to make really sense out of the chaos, to bring order in how they do things. Uh, just the other day, I, I came across an, an interesting one. I just heard of a tribe somewhere where they have two separate languages, one for men and one for women. I mean, really, different words for, for the same thing in the same tribe. Now, the men have to learn women's language, and here's a lesson, right? Uh, the men have to wear, learn women's language because they're raised by, by their moms, and, and by and large, they, they learn that language, they understand that language. But when they get to a certain age, when they get to a certain place in their life, they're not then introduced to the, to the boy language, and they actually become bilingual. Isn't there a lesson there for some of us guys on Father's Day? Important to become bilingual. And we're like, yeah, I know what you mean. We might be speaking English, but uh, we're not saying the same thing. Uh, we know there's differences, right? So this culture actually has actual different languages, one for the men and one for the women. That's a cultural thing. That's a thing that, that has to do with gender that has to define what's a man and what's a woman. Now, from my perspective, uh, you know, people debate whether gender is all biological or cultural. I would say it's all of it. All of it has bearing into the conversation regarding gender. All of it has bearing into the conversation when we want to talk about and deal with this question of gender. All these things have to do with defining who we are as people, as, as a man and as, as a woman. And in this conversation, come to the point of with all the controversy that's happening right now and all the dialogue that's occurring right now and all the things that, that are challenging us right now regarding gender, the thing that, that I always come to is that with all of these generalities, when, when it comes to me, it doesn't come to me with all this theory and all this political movement and all this turmoil and all this stuff. When it comes to me, when I have to deal with this issue, it, it typically comes to me as a person, as an individual, as an individual living their lives in the world that we live in, dealing with these things, struggling with these things, wrestling with these things. And so my approach to this question, and, and hopefully uh, it's approach that honors the calling that God has placed on all of our lives as Jesus followers, the, the pattern of Scripture, my approach to this question begins with a worship song and the lyrics of a worship song found in Psalm 139.14. Psalm 139.14. This is a worship song written by a man named King David. It's a worship song that is about how great God is, how awesome God is, and what God does. And, and this is what he says in verse 14. He says, I praise you, and he's re referring to God, I praise you because, why? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So what's he saying? He's saying, I praise you, God, because I come to recognize that I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow, didn't get that, did he, right? What's David saying? I'm like, yeah, David's saying, I'm pretty awesome, God, and so it must be a testimony to your greatness. And you might think, well, he's lost his mind a little bit here. He's a little arrogant. He's a little high on himself. Well, I don't think that's the intent. See, what David is pointing to is the fact that being right with God, coming to a point of understanding how God works, he recognizes that God is creator, and he is the creation, and he recognizes that what God makes is good, what God makes is wonderfully made, 
as intended for good in this world, and that includes himself. And so he looks at himself and he goes, because I'm right with God, I can see God's view of me. I can recognize that I am a child of God. I belong to God. I have worth and I have, I'm worthy to live life for God. And in that place, I can celebrate that. I can be comfortable in my own skin. I can be confident in who I am. I can be assured of my identity because I am made right with God through faith in Jesus. And this is one of the beautiful things about, about coming to faith and, and coming to, to a place where we recognize that we receive what God has blessed us with in grace and in forgiveness. We begin to really change our perspective of who we are from one who is a, an enemy of God to one who's a child of God, and in doing that, we begin to recognize, wow, wow, I'm precious to God. I'm precious to God. And it's from this perspective, then, the, the words of Jesus really comes to life. He says, well, if you want to love, you want to do what's right in me, then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you love yourself and treat yourself with honor and dignity as, as a child of God, worthy from God, and worth to give that is a gift from God, well, then, then you can know how to treat others very well because you recognize who you are in Christ, who you are in God. That's what David's talking about. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there are many, and I have gone through this, and I'm sure you have gone through this, there are many folks who struggle with a, a difficulty of seeing themselves as fearfully and wonderfully made. And all of us go through self-doubts. All of us go through, through struggles regarding our image, particularly when we're young and we're in our teenage years and we're trying all new sorts of things, hairstyles and hair colors and piercings and, and clothes and makeup and all the things that we're trying to figure out who we are so we can be loved and be identified as someone who's lovable. Yeah, we all go through that, but there is a condition out there. There's a condition that many of, of our folks struggle with that goes deeper than that. It's, it's called dysphoria. And dysphoria is, is really a deep-seated, down-to-the-core unsettledness about who I am, a, a, a discomfort of, of living in the skin that I, that I, that I find myself in, a, a struggle to accept myself as fearfully and wonderfully made. And the sad thing is that when people get to this place, it's usually for a variety of, of issues, a variety of things that, that, that are not good, that have come into their lives that, that all of a sudden they begin to doubt. They begin to doubt who they are and they begin to struggle with their confidence. They begin to struggle with their identity. They are going through what's called dysphoria, an a, a uneasiness that goes deep down into their core about who they are. Or who they are. Which brings me now to perhaps the central piece because this dysphoria, this sense of uneasiness, can manifest itself into this question of agenda. And, and now we need to come to, to the scripture, the plain scripture that we have from the word of God in the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis chapter one is really broad stroke description of how God made the world. It's a description of God making the world in all different parts of it. And it ends with, uh, the description of the pinnacle, the, the, the masterpiece of creation being God creating human beings. 
And then in chapter 2, what you have is, is then the continued focus of the description of the pinnacle, of the masterpiece of creation, human beings, fleshed out in more detail. That's what chapter 2 is all about. But in chapter to 1, we, we get a very interesting comment regarding uh, creation and regarding the God's creating of human beings. And, and this is what it says. So God created mankind human beings, in his own image. And we'll talk a bit about that, what that means in a minute. And here it is. God, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what do we see here? Well, well, first of all, we see that God creates human beings as something special. This is not, this is not a description that's given to any part of creation that they were created in the image of God. It, it, set apart, it sets apart human beings as special in creation. You and me are special in creation. Getting personal here. We're special in creation. And the reason why we're special, according to what Genesis says, is that we're created in the image of God, in the, in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, as we dive deeper into that, the image of God is, is those things that separate us from, from the rest of creation that are like God. And so what are those things? Well, those things is that eternal element within us. Uh, we would say this, uh, as Ecclesiastes said a few weeks ago, this, this, this eternity in our hearts, this eternal being. We are beings that are not only physical, we are beings that are spiritual, and that spiritual is, is meant to be made to live forever, as well as our physical originally, but, you know, that's chapter 3, we'll get to that. But point being is we are created as spiritual beings, we're physical and spiritual, but we have spiritual beings like God. We're created with, with a will. We're created with, with the ability to create. We're created with the ability to love and to be in relationship of love. Those things are all part of what it means to be created in the image of God. But also in that created in the image of God, the, the writer says that that image is carried in, in both aspects of humanity, male and female, male and female. And what we see here for the first time, an introduction into the idea that, that God creates human beings in the image, both share this image bearing, male and female, but, but in that there is a difference between them. And there's a difference between them. And as you read along in the chapters, you find that that's actually the differences that God intended to be used in order to fulfill the purpose that he has for humanity, for the world. Go and subject the world. Go and manage the world. Go steward the world to glorify me and multiply. Multiply the earth. Bring forth life in the form of children, right? That, that's what he's saying. But that task cannot happen without both parts, male and female, their differences being engaged to serve God, to be of service to God. You see... What we see here in Scripture is that God has created us as beings in his image, and in that, he has given us a unique set of things that identify us, male and female. Now, you could say those things are limitations, right? They're things that men can do that women can't. We talked about those differences. They're things that women can do that, that men can't. And what God, God is looking for is for, for those differences to be used to be manifest in order to, to bring glory to him, to honor him, to be used. Those limitations aren't on a, a slight, but actually an opportunity to serve God. 
See, our limitations, the things that we can do, remind us that we are in need to be dependent on God and to be in cooperation with others in the world who have gifts that are not ours so that we can serve God together. Now, here's the struggle. Remember, we talked about dysphoria, people that have a, a general sense of, of, really, it comes down to disgust and dislike as to who they are. Well, there is such a thing as gender dysphoria. Within our community, within our, our neighbors, within the friends that we have, and, and even our children, there's a struggle, gender dysphoria, regarding their identity from birth, whether they're a boy or whether they're a girl. There's a struggle that goes deep, and they don't feel comfortable, and somehow, some way, something has gone on in their lives where they no longer want to be a boy or no longer want to be a girl because of this, this gender dysphoria. And to me, this is where it lands. This is where the issue lands for me. To me, it's not a political issue. It's not a, a movement. No, to me, this is, this is where I'm dealing with parents who are weeping because they are, 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 are so concerned for their kid. This is where I'm having conversations with individuals who are, who are trying to navigate what's going on inside of them with this issue, and, and they're looking for direction, and they're looking to, to find the peace. They're looking to come to the place where they can say with King David, I rejoice in you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, this is where it lands for me, and, 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 and really, I want to say right off the bat, if, if, if you have, have these issues, and yet you have not shared them, and you felt not safe to share them with, with folks within the Christian community, I'm sorry about that. If, if it's, it's the sense that it was unsafe to mention this because you felt like you would be chastised and, 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 and mocked and, and judged and made to feel like a nobody, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. That is not what we're called to do as Christians. That's not in line with the message that we've received from Christ. We want to hear from you. We want to understand. We want to be able to have a conversation where these things can perhaps be able to be talked about. We want to come to the place where, where we have to answer the question, how is it that you've come to the place when you dislike the person you were born so much that you want to have them erased, transformed, gone away in order to be someone else. It's a deep issue. It's a struggle that's complicated. And my heart, my, my heart really goes to, for us to say, look, we're called to, to provide opportunities to listen, not to, to, to lose our minds and and to, to go crazy about it, but opportunity to, to be able to minister to people who are in that struggle, going through that, to speak to them and to, to, to come alongside them and to minister to them with the truth of God's word. In fact, to me, the answer to this, this question from, from a Christian point of view, from my personal point of view as a pastor, is, is I, I look to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Here Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. Let's not give up in doing good. Let's not give up in doing the things that are beneficial to others. How does that, how does that happen? Well, in order to do what's good with another, you have to know what they need. You have to understand who they are. You have to listen to understand so that they may open up and you might have the ability to minister to them. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, as things come in our lives, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See, that, that's where I go regarding this issue because this issue to me, uh, while the, the conversations and the noise and the shouting and the agendas and the policies and the politics, all that, just to me, this issue goes to that individual in my office talking to me face to face, talking to me with issues regarding some of the deepest things of their lives and the privilege and opportunity I have now to share with them the truth of God's word, to share with them the perspective of how God sees them, to share with them perhaps my prayers. You know, there's a story that I think captures this whole thing. It's a viewpoint story. A book uh, one of the authors wrote um, about how our viewpoint of, of our bodies, about our identities, we've got two kinds of conflicting views. There's the, the, the we're, we're parts of a Lego view, and then there's the view of we are masterpiece works of art. If you have the, the, the Lego view of, of who you are, well, then you really, life's a matter of interchangeable parts, right? If you don't like something, you get something new, and you change it, and you get it, and you recover it. And to me, that, that really is, is, is a poor view and an inaccurate view of, of what we find communicated in Scripture. See, in Scripture, what we have is this other view that you are a masterpiece. In fact, that's the word that's used by the Apostle Paul when talking about God's work in our lives. He said, you are works of art. You are God's masterpiece as he works in you. But we're masterpieces that have been broken, been spoiled, been flawed, been damaged, been torn, been battered, been hurt for whatever reason, whatever the story is. And ultimately, what God wants is to restore the masterpiece. And when you restore the masterpiece, what you do is you don't restore the masterpiece and recreate it as to what you want. You don't put glasses on someone's face on the picture if they didn't have glasses or if there's a, a picture of a haystack, you don't turn it into a car you know, or whatever you want to do. No, the, the role of a masterpiece is ultimately to repair the brilliance, the uniqueness, the, the glory, if you'd like, of what was there to its fullest potential. And I want to say that, that ultimately that's the message of Christ. That's the message that we receive in what we call grace, that God is in the work of, here's the big church word, reconciliation, right, making us right with him, but also another big church word, sanctification, which ultimately can be translated to he is restoring the masterpieces. He's in working and making us Come to the place where we were intended so that we can fully embrace who we are. I can fully be appreciative that as a man, praise God for he has created me. He has knit me together. I'm created, wonderfully made, as Psalm 139 says. As a woman, I can celebrate everything that I am as a woman and not be ashamed of this or that or as a man, this or that, but instead be, be able to praise God for who he has created me and know that I am confident and, and, and I can be, be thankful for who I am and be comfortable in my own skin because I've been made right with God through faith in Jesus. Thank you so much for... Uh, 
being with us this morning, and thank you so much for uh, just giving me the opportunity to share my view, my, my perspective, grounded in, in my study and my understanding of Scripture. If you want to talk further about that, feel free to, to reach out to us. Uh, you can make a comment, or uh, perhaps this kind of subject may be better to, to send an email, to send a private message uh, if you need to. Um, remember, we are talking about these kind of issues more in depth on Thursday nights with our uh, uh, say what video chats with Tim Peace and, and Aaron Adams and, and Aaron Thatcher. We're, we're taking that as a forum to, to flesh out some of this. Feel free to, to participate in that. Uh, you can find that on, on our website or you can go to the Facebook page and look it up. Uh, it's on YouTube as well. I'm going to pray and uh, after we pray, uh, we're going to uh, turn to Jeff and go back to Jeff and uh, he's going to guide us in a time of communion opportunity for those of you who are not with us in person online to be with us in person as we celebrate the things that bind us together in the communion elements. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this, this time we can share, and I pray that you speak through the words that are shared today, the heart that, that I hope people have grasped uh, of just how much you care for them and how much you delight in them. And even though they have questions and struggles about who they are they may struggle to the depths of their being about, about feeling loved and comfortable in their skin. I pray that you would just help them to, to see, to, to catch a vision of who they are to you. Lord, you know, I know I have people in my life who love me, and I often wonder, man, uh, I wish I, I had the, the high view of myself, even just half of it, that you have of me. But ultimately, those people are just such blessings, and I know that you see us far greater than we see ourselves, and you delight in us so much more than we could ever imagine. I pray that, that folks that, that are hearing this will just catch a glimpse of just how delighted you are in them, how pleased you are to, that they are in the world, that you made them, and you made them uh, as they are, and to, to really come to the place with all their struggles and all their hurts and all the things that, that perhaps are not right and in the right place and damage that you're able to, to restore, to heal, to, to transform in the name of Jesus, who's the only name that can give us salvation. Amen. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.